This is the Intego Mac Podcast. The voice of Mac security. For Thursday, January 19th, 2023. This week's Intego Mac Podcast security headlines include that email you just got from a familiar corporate brand? Double check it. It could be a fake phishing for your personal info. The popularity of Apple's AirTags might be why Google is planning its own tracking gadget. We've got three different stories about three different messaging apps and three different ways your message data could be compromised. Plus, we'll have a look at all the new hardware that Apple just announced. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's chief security analyst, Josh Long. Good morning, Josh. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you, Kirk? I'm doing okay. My bank account's a bit wider, though, today. Did you get scammed? No, no, I didn't get scammed. It's just Apple released a bunch of new stuff that I've ordered. Is some new scam going around that I should be aware of? Well, there's been a lot of different scams going around. It seems like everywhere you look these days, there's some article, even in the mainstream news, about phishing attacks and things like this. One thing that just got surfaced again recently, the FBI actually wrote a public service announcement back in December that has all of a sudden been gaining traction in the news about cyber criminals impersonating brands using search engine advertisement service to defraud users. We've mentioned this before, but it's worth repeating that the links that you see at the very top of your Google search results are very frequently an advertisement. And you have to look really closely to tell that it's an ad. There will be some little identifier that indicates that it's an ad, but you have to be looking for it. You have to kind of know and expect that that might be there. And so what the FBI was warning about is that this is something that cyber criminals are actively doing. They're buying up you know, lookalike domains and linking to them from the top of these Google search results. So it appears to, you know, the average person who isn't really all that familiar with how these Google ads work, it might appear that it's actually the brand. So would one solution to be stop using Google for search? Well, possibly. But I mean, unfortunately, some other search engines may also put ads up at the top. So it may still be a problem even if you move other places. Now, maybe the bad guys aren't as likely to be buying up ads on other services. But if they use Google ads, you know, you could still put the malicious links up at the top of the search results. So this is just something to be careful about no matter which search engine you use. But, um, you know, most people use Google. And so it makes sense that that's where the cyber criminals are really targeting. Okay. The other day, my partner was out shopping and she came home and she said to me, I lost my house keys. I said, well, how did you get in? She said, the door was unlocked. Not my fault. But we looked on her iPhone and we found where they were, the store that she had been in, and she drove back and she found them. And it's Apple AirTags, right? It's a wonderful device. Google is planning an AirTag clone. And when Apple announced the AirTags, they highlighted the fact that they, at the time there were either 800 million or a billion iOS devices that could track AirTags. Google's network apparently has 3 billion Android phones. Now, this isn't surprising because there are far more Android phones and iPhones sold in the world. I have a feeling that Google is going to beat Apple in terms of tracking tags, if that's what we're going to call the category. Interesting. The whole thing is really actually kind of amusing to me that Apple, which is supposedly this, you know, privacy focused company, we're all about privacy. Apple is privacy. And they came out with the AirTag before Google did. And Google's really got 
a not-so-good reputation about privacy. But now Google's playing catch-up, and they're like, no, wait, hold on, we're the guys that don't do privacy well. We should be doing the AirTag. <laughs> well, to be fair with Apple, there is privacy involved, and we've talked about stalking and tracking people, but there's nothing recorded. I would be more worried about Google just basically recording my location wherever I am if I've got one of their tags on my keys. You just can't trust Google for things like that. Right. Yeah, that would be kind of concerning because, you know, Google does like to pay attention to a lot of metadata about you and use it to target ads to you. I mean, that's really how Google makes the vast majority of their money is through advertisements. So, yeah, I'm I'm not sure I, I like this. We'll find out when they launch them, because what I'm curious is if Google knows that I'm in a... I don't know, sporting goods store. Well, I start seeing ads for sporting goods on Google. Or if a woman is in a store that sells things for babies and she's pregnant, but no one else knows, will she start seeing ads the way we've heard some stories like this in the past? So like Facebook would know that someone's pregnant by the sites she's visited. So when this comes out, we'll, we'll buy a couple and we'll test them out and see how they work. But I don't trust Google. Yeah, I'm with you there. Okay. People who back up their iPhones and iPads and iPod touches to a Mac or PC, are there any of you out there who actually still do that? I do mine once a month about. I do every once in a while. You may have noticed that you have to enter a passcode every time you back up a device. And this is actually because of a vulnerability in iOS. And it seems like Apple, instead of patching the vulnerability, just added this passcode requirement. Now, what I was thinking is, well, this also prevents law enforcement agencies from imaging an iPhone, right? So they copy everything on the iPhone to a computer so they can use cracking software. Yes. And by the way, credit to Shaba Fietzel for finding this vulnerability. He's a great researcher who does a lot of talks at security conferences, and he's a great guy. So I'm glad that we've got people like him who report these vulnerabilities to Apple. So he found this vulnerability. Apple kind of didn't exactly fix it, but they kind of worked around it. And I, I kind of like the way that Apple has decided to, quote unquote, fix it or really mitigate the problem. Because for exactly that reason, it's it's better protection for people who are concerned about their backups potentially you know, being broken into. If you've got a backup then you can imagine that if you've got a backup of your device, you have unlimited time to try to crack it, to try to break into it. And also some things that are backed up are, are not necessarily fully encrypted when they're backed up, un unless you enable an option to do that. So this is probably a good thing. It may be a little bit annoying to people who frequently back up their iPhone to their Mac to have to put in their passcode every single time. But I think this is a good thing. Okay. We talked some months ago about WhatsApp wanted to sue the NSO group for spyware, the Pegasus spyware that leveraged the vulnerability in WhatsApp to install itself on certain phones. We're not going to go into detail, but the US Supreme Court has allowed the suit to go forward. I think the NSO group went to court to say, well, this suit has no merit, and it got all the way up to the US Supreme Court. Facebook 
already sued them back in 2019. I don't know if there's a continuation of the same lawsuit. We'll hear more about this, but this is the kind of thing where the lawyers are going to be playing tag team from one side to the other. Like you see in these movies, if you've ever seen one of these things where they drop a whole bunch of discovery documents on the big law firm drops you know, a hundred boxes of discovery documents on the two-person law firm, and they have to go through it. So this is the game that they're going to play to put this off as long as possible. Right. Yeah. And when we were talking about this before the show, we were like, hasn't this already happened? Wait, what? How? how is WhatsApp now suing NSO Group? It just feels like deja vu. And yeah, we found an article from 2019 on the Mac Security blog where we talk about Facebook, which is now meta, suing the NSO Group over the WhatsApp spyware attack that took place way back then. So it's it seems like this has been a long time coming, but now we're finally getting to the point where this is actually going to play out in court sometime in the relatively near future. Okay, now that was the first of our secure messaging trifecta this week. We have three issues around secure messaging. One of them is Threema, which is part of the trifecta, if you get it. And the other one is Telegram. Tell us about Threema, Josh. Okay, well... There was a very technical research paper that was recently put out that claims that Threema, which is a competitor to Signal and some of these other secure messaging apps, they claim that Threema is riddled with vulnerabilities, but they're really mostly theoretical in nature, and they're very technical. So we're not going to dig into all of the details, but uh, it is important to know that these are theoretical vulnerabilities. They're not known to have ever been exploited in the wild. And some of them involve things like potentially hacking the Threema servers somehow. And it's like, well, okay. So if you happen to come across this article and you are a Threema user, I would say you probably don't need to worry too much about this. For me, the I, I, I think Signal is probably the best of the ones that are out there in terms of both its feature set and also its widespread use. There's a lot of Signal users out there. Threema, it, it's not very popular, probably because it's got a $3 barrier to entry. You have to pay for it, at which you don't for a lot of these other messaging platforms. But Threema is one of the best. So that's why it's called Threema, because you have to pay $3. <laughs> <laughs> well, not exactly. There's 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 a whole thing with three bubbles and and the level of trust that you have. Okay, yeah. okay, Josh, yeah, we yeah. don't need to know about this. Tell us about Telegram. Apparently, a rogue Telegram insider offers server access to dark web customers. That just sounds like you know that stock photo of the guy with the hoodie and the Matrix thing going down on the computer screen. Dark web customers. <laughs> right. Well, uh, the safety detective, cybersecurity research team has uncovered this store on the dark web, alleging that somebody has insider access to Telegram servers and that if you are willing to pay $20,000, you can get access to anybody's Telegram messages. So here's the problem with that. Of course, all of all of the good guy researchers are not going to pay $20,000 to the bad guy to find out if they really do have insider access to Telegram servers. Oh, come on. We should set up a GoFundMe and find out if this is true. Yeah. Well, but then you're paying the bad guys $20,000 and that's not great. Yeah, but just once, just to see <laughs> no. if it's true. And then we can tell the police about him or something. I don't know. <sighs> 
well, in any case, so this is an unconfirmed insider threat, but if this is true, and, and really regardless of this is true, this is something that people should be aware of if you're using Telegram. They advertise all over their website that they're a secure messaging service, and the thing is they're not secure by default. They have this blog article from 2017 where they try to justify why they are still not doing security by default. They're into an encryption part of it. You have to enable per chat. And so that's not really such a great thing. If you are a Telegram user, you're probably okay. My guess is if you're using that into an encryption to chat with other people. However, if you're not, those messages that are not being encrypted end-to-end, those are probably the messages that, if it's true that some insider really has access to them, those are probably the messages that they're able to, to access. Okay, first impressions count, and I went to the Telegram website, it's telegram.org, and I scroll down, and there's a bunch of animated GIFs of rubber ducks throwing things around, and one with an umbrella and dancing, and this is like, this is not secure, these are rubber ducks, this is a child's <laughs> app, why would I want to use that? Well, I okay, that's just their, their, their branding. But, yeah, but that's not serious branding. The thing that bothers me is it, there's two things on their homepage. I'll, I'll make this quick. They, they say that it's private. They say Telegram messages are heavily encrypted and can self-destruct. Yeah, but not by default. And two, they say it's secure. Telegram keeps your messages safe from hacker attacks. Well, apparently not insider threats. So, <laughs> Well, but that rubber duck above keeps your messages safe from hacker attacks doesn't look like it's offering much security. Anyway, let's take a break. We've got new Apple stuff to talk about, new Apple processors, MacBook Pros, and even a new HomePod. Remember the HomePod? Protecting your online security and privacy has never been more important than it is today. Intego has been proudly protecting Mac users for over 25 years. And our latest Mac protection suite includes the tools you need to stay protected. Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9 includes Virus Barrier, the world's best Mac anti-malware protection. Net Barrier, powerful inbound and outbound firewall security. Personal Backup, to keep your important files safe from ransomware. And much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Best of all, it's compatible with macOS Ventura and the latest Apple Silicon Macs. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today. When you're ready to buy, Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get a special discount by using the link in this episode's show notes at podcast.intego.com. That's podcast.intego.com. And click on this episode to find the special discount link exclusively for Intego Mac Podcast listeners. Intego. World-class protection and utility software for Mac users. Made by the Mac security experts. Right, so I mentioned that my bank account has been lightened slightly because of these new Apple products, and we're going to talk to, through it, and you're going to guess what I've bought, okay? So Apple announced yesterday, through a press release and an 18-minute video, which looks like a segment from one of their longer presentations, you know, at the Apple headquarters and all that, they announced two new chips, the M2 Pro and the M2 Max. It's not surprising because we had the M1, then we had the M1 Pro and M1 Max. 
Then we had the M1 Ultra. Then we had the M2. Now we've got the M2 Pro and M2 Max, and we're pretty soon going to have the M2 Ultra. So in order to update Macs, and in this case, it was MacBook Pros and the Mac Mini, they had to have new chips and they're faster and they're better and they do more things and they have more transistors and they're faster. And <laughs> I, I don't want to sound unenthusiastic, but it's like every year we get the same thing and it's the fastest ever. And it's wonderful if you need a new Mac now and you haven't bought one for a few years, particularly if you haven't bought an M series Mac, then you're skipping over the whole M1, which was the fastest ever, which is no longer the fastest as ever, and you have a lot of options right now. Yeah, th this is actually kind of a cool thing. I, I think that it was a bit of a surprise for a lot of people that Apple just suddenly dropped M2 Pro and M2 Max, like, hey, we've got new processors and we've got new products that already use them starting today. And so, you know, good on Apple. We don't always need a big old fancy, you know, event every single time you're releasing a new product. And, you know, for the most part, the, this was kind of a a bump, right? A, a little bump in specs. Yeah, it's got fancy new names for the processors, but it's really basically the same MacBooks and same Mac minis that we had before. Well, some of the uh, improvements are interesting. The M... To Max. I have to remember which is better, the Pro or the Max. The M2 Max can come with up to 96 gigabytes of RAM. We were discussing before the show, what would you do that needs 96 gigabytes of RAM? And I'm thinking if you're editing a feature film and you've got multiple 4K streams, you probably need a lot of RAM. You probably need these extra cores, up to 38 GPU cores. And if you don't understand what that means, don't worry about it because then it doesn't matter to you, right? Back in the old days, it used to be the megahertz. That was how you judged a good processor. Now it's the number of cores. Just don't worry, buy the Mac that you need. And if you're not doing films and complicated stuff, you don't need any of these by the entry level stuff. But for those who are doing demanding things, there are a lot of improvements. Now, this made us wonder, what about the Mac Pro that's now four years old and it's still selling for the same price as when it was released? And you can trick it out to over $50,000. What about the Mac Pro? Yeah, we were curious about this because, first of all, yes, it, it, it's a four-year-old processor, basically nearly four years old at this point. It was quarter two, 2019, when this particular series of Intel Xeon processors were released. And so it's it's old. It's, it's really old at this point. And now there's Xeon processors, which is like the top of the line. Like usually you only get these in servers. You don't normally get these in typical workstation PCs, but these are the only Macs at this point that Apple's still selling with an Intel processor other than, you know, refurbished units. You had been able to get an Intel Mac mini up until yesterday, as of when we're recording, we're recording this on Wednesday but now that's discontinued as well. So if you want a Mac mini, you're getting an M series Apple Silicon processor. The thing about the Mac Pro is I wonder if we really need a Mac Pro. The Mac Studio, which will soon have an M2 Ultra. So the current Mac Studio is the M1 Pro Max and Ultra, if I can keep that all straight. It'll have the M2 Ultra. Do we really need the Mac Pro? I mean, there are some people, you know, you're editing 4K video and you're doing data science stuff. There are a handful of people who need it, but maybe there's just not a market anymore for that. By the way, I have to interject here. Every time we say M1 Max or M2 Max, we're, we're, we're saying M-A-X. 
This is something that I don't know. Somebody at Apple didn't think this through because when you're having a conversation with somebody out loud, Max M-A-X and Max M-A-C-S both sound exactly the same. And it's good. It's confusing. So um, there are certain extremely niche reasons why somebody might still want a Mac Pro. For one thing, Instead of maxing out at 128 gigs of RAM or 96 gigs of RAM, depending on your M series processor, you can go all the way up to 1.5 terabytes of RAM on a Mac Pro, which is just crazy to me. I I can't even imagine. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. I don't even have that much storage space on my iMac. I only have one terabyte. Imagine all that being RAM. Yeah. And it's got a form factor where you can add more components inside, which is, it's really the only Mac that you can do that with at this point. The Mac Studio is not designed to be expandable. So, you know, if you really are into that form factor, the tower that you can, you know, add additional components into easily, the Mac Pro can still do that. But again, we're talking about a processor that's four years old and you're paying so much money for it. We, We did try to see whether there were other, you know, PCs out there that you could spec out similarly to see whether we could find something that was like a comparable price. And it's actually pretty hard. I was surprised about this. There's not a lot of PCs that can really get to the same level of specs that the Mac Pro has. At least not consumer-facing PCs. You, if you're in the movie industry, you probably have to go through a specialized provider to get a custom-built PC to do everything you need for all that editing. I want to just briefly mention that the new Mac Mini has dropped in price for the base model, the 8 gigabyte 256. It's dropped to 599 which is a good thing. The new 14 and 16 inch Mac Pro are the same price as the previous ones, 1999 and 2499. They can get really expensive if you get up to the M2 Max Ultra Plus with 96 gigabytes of RAM and and eight just M2 Max, right, just M2 and Max. eight terabytes of storage. They can get very expensive. But they're basically just iterations of the previous two models of the Mac Pro. Now, the other surprise is the new HomePod that was announced this morning. So they announced the new Macs and the M2 chips on Tuesday. And on Wednesday morning, they announced the new HomePod. No one expected this because, well, it was discontinued in March 2021 because no one liked it because it wasn't selling. And then now all of a sudden, it's got this great sound. It's the best HomePod ever. And... It seems to be very similar to the original. It's got a couple of new features. It's got a temperature and humidity sensor, which was found in the HomePod Mini at least a year ago and has never been activated, but will be activated with a software update. Apple announced that today. It will detect sounds of like carbon monoxide alarms and smoke alarms, which I guess is more for the HomeKit thing of that alarm alerting you when you're not there, that sort of thing. Apple has dropped the price to $299. It was originally sold at $349. Near the end of its life, it was sold at $299 because they weren't selling them. And now they're bringing it back. And I kind of wonder what the point is of this. Yeah. Okay. So the HomePod actually did have some advantages over the HomePod mini, right? Obviously the sound quality is better. It's bigger largely for that reason, right? Yeah. So the new HomePod has one woofer and five tweeters in a circular array at the bottom of it. 
the original HomePod had seven tweeters. Now, one of the differences I noticed is when you see the, the view of the innards is that on the original one, the tweeters were pointing relatively straight, and on the new one, they're angled up. Now, I'm very aware that when you have a pair of speakers like on your desk and you're listening to music, the tweeters have to be pointed at your ears because those high-frequency waves are very small. So I would see these photos of people with two HomePods next to their iMac on their desk saying, you're not hearing the sound. It's it's going by, you know, under your arms or something. So Apple seems to have taken that into account to angle the speakers up to get better audio for that sort of uh, you would call near-field listening. Other than that, we'll know what the audio quality is when it ships. For now, it's just Apple's, we're just trusting Apple where they say it sounds great because they always say it sounds great. Again, it's a surprise. And, and I've been saying for a couple of years that Apple should be doing more in audio. And I want them to make a home bar, an Apple sound bar with Siri and Apple quality and spatial audio and all of that. And since they're doing all that with the music, maybe bringing back the bigger home pod is the next step toward more music oriented things, but I'm not going to hold my breath on that. Well, it could be. And you do mention in your article, by the way, all of this stuff that Apple announced can be found in an article on the Mac security blog that Kirk wrote up. So one thing that you mention near the end is that, you know, if you do want to get two home pods and use them in a pair, and then you're going to have to spend 600 bucks, which is kind of a lot of money, especially when you compare that to the cost and quality of sound bars, which only cost a few hundred, right? I think the Sonos Beam is 349 and that's a very capable sound bar. So if you want something to work with an Apple TV and a television set, you're better off buying the Sonos Beam than spending $600. So Josh, I want you to guess what I spent my money on today. Okay. So because I, this is a hard one because <laughs> I, I'm going to guess that you bought a MacBook Pro with the M2 Pro chip, not the Max. And I I'm I'm debating about whether you got a new HomePod or not because they're so similar to the to the previous model. Okay, you're right on the HomePod because I need to know about this and it is audio which is one of the things I'm into but MacBook Pro? Don't you remember Josh, a few months ago I bought an M2 MacBook Air and I spec'd it out and I said I'm going to keep this for years. No, I bought a new Mac Mini. I bought the entry level Mac Mini. I have a Synology NAS that I've been using for a while for Plex, for file sharing and backups and stuff. And it's just a headache because I can't, I don't know how to use the operating system. And I'd been thinking in recent months, I should get a Mac mini, set it up with a couple of external drives. But I was waiting because the previous Mac mini was two years old. And so when this came out, I immediately ordered it. So new Mac mini and new HomePod. A Mac mini, I believe, is coming on the 23rd of January. And the HomePod should be here in the early days of February. And we'll have plenty of time to talk about them then. Anything you want to buy? Uh, no, probably not. I was pretty close, though. I forgot you purchased the, the MacBook with an M2, so it makes sense to get the Mac Mini, I guess. But yeah, I, I knew you purchased two things because, you know, you're Kirk and that's what you do. <laughs> okay, links in the show notes to the article on the Intego Mac security blog. And if you have anything to order, you should get to it quickly. I don't think there's a big demand for all these products. I didn't hear anyone on social media saying, oh, if you don't order it now, you know, the delivery time is going to slip. I don't think too many people are that excited about a new MacBook Pro. It's not that time of year. You tend to think of going back to school, maybe people get new computers. So this is just another one of Apple's iterations. But I am curious to see if the HomePod leads to more Apple audio 
hardware going forward. And by the way, Apple, we're still waiting for that classical music app that you were going to release before the end of 2022. I think it's not 2022 anymore. Until next week, Josh, stay secure. All right, stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to follow us in Apple Podcasts or subscribe in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software, intego.com.